Good evening, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to episode 70 of Buds and Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Riley McConnell. And today on our show, we've got a lot to get to. There are some spicy Blue Jays rumors going on out there. And of course, Riley, you and I are going to address a few of them here on this episode. Plus, we got to dive in a little deeper on our Blue Jays catchers, give some pros and cons, see who we really think the Blue Jays should be trading off the catching depth. And then we're going to dive into the free agency a little bit. We're going to go through the top 15 names. We're going to see which one of them would be fits as Blue Jays because we know the Toronto Blue Jays are going to be spending money this winter. So we're just going to kind of pick and see where this money could be going. But first, Riley, what's up? How are you? I see you're wearing your Oakland A's hat today. So I went very uh, California vibes and hope to get a West Coast player, maybe the most West Coast guy in the MLB since Tim Lincecum himself. Mm. We'll talk more about um, uh, the uh, Dodgers left-handed bat that I'm referring to. But Jesse, I'm well. We're almost in the month of December. A lot of um, off-season baseball stuff to cover. And uh, yeah. Honestly, man, I'm excited. There's a lot of big names. We could do some hypotheticals. Obviously, mm-hmm. if we could go out and get Otani and sign Judge, that we, we'd win a World Series next year. Sure. <laughs> but, of, but of course, baseball doesn't work like that for us. I mean, sorry, we don't you know got uh, Dodgers and Yankees payrolls, but we, we're working with a really good core group of guys, and I feel like bringing in the right pieces will really help us out because I feel like last year we're a wildcard team. We have the potential to be a very good pennant-winning team in 20. 2023 agree 100% before we dive in and go a little deeper guys remember our show is free and we're available on all platforms so if you're watching us on YouTube please like the damn video guys subscribe to the channel we're getting close to 100 subscribers Riley not bad for two guys doing our own little thing doing our own little YouTube channel here and plus if and when we do blow up you want to be able to say you are one of the first 100 subscribers of Buds and Blue Jays that's a title that only 100 people out there can have you want to be in that top 100 a prestigious award right there and also Leave a comment down below. Get the talk going. We'll talk back with you. We'll do all that fun stuff. And if you're listening on our podcast streaming platform, please give us a five-star review. It really is the best way to help the show grow. Riley, with that being said, ready to get into it? Let's rock and roll, baby. Let's dive right into it. Bucks okay. and Blue Jays, episode 70. <laughs> Let's go. We are now 10 days away since the Teoscar Hernandez trade. And to be honest, the Blue Jays really haven't done much since then. I think we re-signed Vinny Capra to a minor league deal, and that's been about the extent. So today we are opening up the rumor mill, and we're going to go through a player here that we've already kind of already teased about, that we talked a little bit about last episode. But the smoke is real for this guy, Riley, and that is Cody Bellinger. And we're going to talk about what it might take to get this guy here because he has been officially non-tendered by the Dodgers. There's a few teams going out there. Now, we have a lot of, I would say, untrusted sources confirming that Cody Bellinger is close to a deal. In fact, I saw one an hour ago that said the Jays made big momentum today on a deal with Cody Bellinger. We can't trust these sources. They're very unreliable. I think people are just trying to get their 15 seconds of fame and hoping they guess right. But John Paul Morosi did mention there were talks between the Blue Jays and Cody Bellinger and all this stuff. So, Riley, I'll let you have the first word here. If Cody Bellinger were to become a Blue Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, let's put it this way. I would really I would really like to get a hold of this guy. I think that Bellinger is has the has the uh, chance to be one of the best players in the league again. I mean, you talk about upside, Jesse. You're a big upside I love guy. Love upside. Love upside. And I feel like this could go one of two ways. Listen, he was a former MVP, but the last few seasons he struggles. And I looked at um, actually not getting good cell service, of course, Prince Edward County for you fellas. But I think <laughs> I think I think the average home runs a year for Cody 
Bellinger is 33. And that comes with hitting in a good lineup and with some good power numbers, RBIs, runs, everything like that. And the defense is well above average as well. Maybe to mm-hmm. take some take some of that strain off George Springer. Listen, and it's a left-handed bat too. I know it's not the end of the world those days of your fast lefty batter your leadoff hitter are over you got to play the saber metrics kind of way and i feel like you know that's kind of how the game's evolving anyways but it is nice to have those matchups a left-handed bat in the lineup is super important especially if that lefty bat is cody bellinger he once hit 47 home runs in his mvp Mm -hmm. season it was a down year for him the last two years i feel like since the covid covid season it hasn't been you know, the brightest of places, maybe a change in scenery can help with that. Yep. Let's not forget that Cody Bellinger is also only 27 years old. He's got a long career ahead of him. And I feel like it's not going to go the way I feel like he's hit a slump the last couple of years. And I feel like, you know, maybe a fresh start will bring him out again. I'm not saying he's going to hit 40 home runs. He has just certainly has the possibility for it. But if the law of averages apply and he hits anywhere around 33 home runs, that's a huge win for us, man. I think the thing with Cody Bellinger that really enticed the Toronto Blue Jays to it is even if the bat doesn't come around and even if he hits at like a Bradley Zimmer level, which is kind of what he's hit like these last two years, which is saying something, you know, the defense is going to be good. You know, the base running is going to be immaculate. So even if that's the floor you get from Cody Bellinger, that's still a good player. You could probably throw at the bottom of your lineup. And we've seen the Blue Jays target guys like that before. But Riley, you talk about upside. I know I'm a sucker for upside. You mentioned the 47 home runs he hit in those years. The two years before that, he had 39 and 25 and he was um his war totals in those three years his rookie year leading up to his mvp year 3.9 3.5 and 7.7 in his historic mvp season you can absolutely see why the blue jays are interested in this guy and trying to replicate that mvp season i think the big thing riley if you are going to make an investment into cody bellinger you need to make sure that that shoulder is healthy we saw this in the world series in 2020 it was that COVID year he hurt his shoulder and he looked dreadful in 2021 and he honestly didn't get that much better in 2022. The strike, uh, the strikeout rate increased dramatically. The walk rate declined dramatically. And, you know, I've always thought if the Dodgers couldn't fix him, what makes you think the Blue Jays can? So, but maybe you're right. Just a change of scenery is what it's going to take to get this going here. But, you know, I think there is a real chance here. And even at his floor, he's still going to be a good defensive player, and the upside is in stream. If you get anywhere close to his home run totals that he got in those uh, MVP years, it could be really good. So the high-risk, high-reward thing is yeah. pretty much how you want to sell that. So you're getting a guy who's – like, let's talk about the guarantees. I, I can guarantee you he's going to get around 10 steals, if not more. I don't think sure. he's going to be in the 20 range, but he can steal a base. And Assuming he's a good, help, right? Assuming health, he's going to, and he plays every day or whatever. Yeah, he's going to steal those bases for you. Um, You want to talk about a guy who was probably sought out as a five to a player. I think you can like definitely apply that speed, the throwing arm and the glove. Um, and the power numbers have potential as well. I think the contact is something that will be an issue. I don't know about the walk rate. I feel like that the walks come with being pitched around and being selective. But when you know sure, you can yeah. get a guy out, why pitch around him? Um, and Bellinger's walks and strikeouts just went up. He wasn't getting bad on ball. And uh, he wasn't 
getting pitched pitched around so he wasn't getting those opportunities i mean why on earth would you walk a guy if you can just sit him down on four or five pitches but the the real good thing about bellinger yes is his defense and absolutely would be i mean i hope he doesn't hit at a zimmer level he certainly (laughs) won't but let's just hope that um you know Anywhere uh, of those power numbers that like 30 home runs would be a win for us for sure with the defense if you can put that into our already really good lineup. Hey, I love upside here, and I think he's uh, absolutely chock full of it. I did want to add his outs above average, Riley, 92nd percentile. He automatically becomes the Blue Jays' best defensive outfielder. And I do want to point out, too, that with them banning the shift last year, there were very few hitters that got hurt on the shift. Cody Bellinger was one of them. I think he was one of the top five in baseball who actually got hurt on hitting ground balls into the shift. So if even those ground balls to the right side are getting through, Cody Bellinger's numbers are going to increase already. And I love upside. I'm all about it. And I really, really do hope that Cody Bellinger is a Blue Jay in 2023. Yeah, I think um, I think I kind of forgot about him uh, a little bit. I mean, Let's be honest, he's an easy guy to forget about the last couple of years because his production numbers have not been there. His plate appearances have not been good throughout the last two seasons or even stretching back to the 2020 season. So, like I said, it's a high-risk, high-reward, but I think that at some point he's got to turn it around. I don't think this is what Cody Bellinger's career is going to shape up as. Is he going to go down as a Hall of Famer? There's still a slight chance. Absolutely. There's still a slight chance to that but he is only 27 years old he is a good guy to bank on and i know that the numbers are kind of appalling but you do look at his first three years in the league and they were awesome he's i just want to add he's a lefty glove too he's played oh, some yeah, first okay. base in the past i yep, don't want like that as well you, you know he the versatility is there listen you got to use the guy in the outfield but the options are there i think that bellinger is a great choice a guy that four years ago you would absolutely it's an absolute household name. I feel like absolutely forgotten in the last couple of years of ball. And even if he can be had on a one-year deal with maybe a player option or a club option for another year, you absolutely take that. I'm on the uh, fence here that there is no such bad thing as a bad one-year deal. So absolutely sign it up. And Riley, I kind of hope we have an episode in the next few days where we're talking about Cody Bellinger becoming a Blue Jay. Uh, but with that being said, Riley, we're going to talk about another player. We haven't heard as much buzz about this guy over the past few days, but there was still a lot of smoke there. And that's Brandon Nimmo, Riley. And I know last week when we talked to you about him, you were kind of excited of what Brandon Nimmo could look like as a Blue Jay. You like the on-base percentage. You like the grit and, you know, the vibes you get off Brandon Nimmo here. So we're a week later after that now, Riley. Do you still want Brandon Nimmo on this team? Do you still think it's a good fit? I mean, listen, if the if if we're going to dole out the cash, I think that you can't. They're both – let's put him – If let's say him and Bellinger. I mean, you got options, right? It depends how much money, Jesse. Let's pretend that we're playing with, um, you know, a $300 million payroll right now per year. Like, yeah, we can certainly do that. Let's worry about the um, luxury taxes later on. Let's go win a championship. I absolutely think that um, that's a great decision. Um, And then we roll from the lineups from there. But if you got uh, Nemo and Bellinger to work with, that's great. Because I think I really like the contact tool from Brandon Nemo as well as his defensive stats. His foot speed isn't electric. It's around average or, you know, wherever it is like doesn't stand out he's not gonna run like a a 270 pound catcher though either so he's gonna he's he's gonna add some flash to the lineup wherever you put him i feel like on a bad team he's probably a two hitter i feel like for the jays he's hitting probably seventh or eighth depending on what the lineup looks like i mean you add a guy like that to our already good lineup and 
like there's your seven, eight hitter, Brandon Nimmo. I mean, what does that tell you about uh, the guys we already got? I love the skill set that Brandon Nimmo brings, right? A high on base percentage guy. And he's got a lot of red, a lot of damage on that stat cast page. The main worry, though, Riley, is you nailed it on the head, man. This guy is going to cost a lot. I think we talked last episode. He's the second best outfielder on the market after Aaron Judge. And MLB trade rumors had him projected at five years, $100 million. I think that would be okay. But do you really want to pay him George Springer numbers for a guy who we're not sure can hit as well as George Springer? I don't know. Five war season last year was great. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not convinced he's going to be able to repeat that. And at six years, $130 million, which some people think he's going to get, I think that's just way too much money for a guy like Brandon Nimmo. Especially, you know, if we can get him for $85 million or so, I'm all in. Like, let's do that. But I don't think he's going to sign for that much. And I'm starting to kind of lean that the Blue Jays might enter camp without Brandon Nimmo on their roster. You know, it might happen. It might not. It's a contract that um, you sadly, <clears throat> well, not sadly, you know what? MLB players are on the road, on the planes. They go through the minor leagues, everything like that. When you get your service time in the MLB, you get your big payday. So Brandon Nimmo has earned his okay. big pay. pay he's, earned his, he's earned his payday. Um, his choice now um, is picking a team, really. He is a sought-out guy. He proved it with, with the New York Mets that he mm -hmm. is a good, corner out, a good corner outfielder and the bats there. I mean... He, he, you want to talk about upside? He's a guy that doesn't have a lot of downside. He might not have MVP numbers, but he's certainly going to produce positive war seasons every single year. It might be two and a half war, three war, but he's still going to be uh, an above average player all the time for you. And I think that's important. Now, for 22, 25, $20 million a year. It's a little steep and the term is a mm -hmm. little bit concerning. I mean, a guy like that, he's, like I said, it's a weird spot. I could almost see him, if not with Toronto, going to a team that's starting to build. He's a good builder piece for a team. Right, let's Like Baltimore or I mean, Oakland quite isn't quite there yet. The Diamondbacks could be there. A team like that who's just starting to build, want to add a veteran piece in like that. Um, it's not like he's going to go to waste in Toronto, but he's certainly not. He's going to fall behind a lot of superstars there where I find he could go somewhere else and hit and hit third in the lineup and maybe have the best year of his career. I don't know. That's the funny thing about baseball. There's 162 games. Let's say you play 148 of them. Like you're getting a lot of plate appearances. And if you go on a big slump or you go on a big tear, it can really fluctuate your numbers. Mm -hmm. I feel like no matter what, but Brandon Nemo is going to be very steady there wherever he goes, and he's going to put up some good numbers. We'd love to have him in Toronto, but if we don't want to be attached to that contract, I would be okay with it. I think we're both on the same page there, and I'm glad to hear it because, yeah, I mean, the floor here is he turns into another Kevin Biggio. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I think, as you mentioned, he's going to be really good, but yeah, I think uh, if this was the 2019 Toronto Blue Jays, then absolutely. Sign me up with Brandon Nimmo. That would have been great, but I think it's just a little too much for this current core, especially with other guys getting more expensive along the roster. Uh, Riley, a couple more rumors that the Blue Jays seem to be interested in floating around. There are two more outfielders, Riley. I think you can notice a theme here with the type of players the Blue Jays are looking to acquire in free agency. And these two names are Joey Gallo, left-handed bat, big power, kind of similar in structure to Cody Bellinger. And then outfielder Kevin Kiermeyer, a guy we know quite well, who is a free agent this year. We've seen him play a lot in Tampa Bay. Riley, Thoughts on those two if they were to become Toronto Blue Jays. So let's say this. You want to talk about five tools. These guys have if you combine them, that's a five tool sure. player. These <laughs> these two have are the opposite type of ball player, Gallo and Kevin Kiermeyer. So yes, 
they're both outfielders. Mm-hmm. Colin Gallo, an outfielder, might be a little bit gifty, and Colin Kevin Kiermeyer, a hitter, might be a little bit like, gifty. Gallo's defensive numbers are probably better than you think if you really do look into it. So. You know what? I might, I might, I'm, not, I'm still not going to take it back because I'm onto something. So okay. Okay. <laughs> I feel like the combination of the two would be would be quite good. I'm honestly not too too interested in either one of them. I'll say this about Gallo though: with the shift being banned, mm-hmm. he could put up some Ted Williams numbers. It's always been the joke with him, right? Always oh. has been. <laughs> I and and Kiermaier, his defensive numbers. He has been. I think I don't know since he came into the, he's been the best set defensive center fielder since he came into the MLB. I don't even I don't think I have to look at stats to back that up. He has been amazing. His numbers at the plate aren't great and I just I don't know man. I feel like in this MLB this day and age like you got to be able to hit I mean, one through nine, man, you got to be able to hit. And mm-hmm. so I'll put Gallo ahead of Kiermaier then. If, if his numbers aren't as bad as I think, and we're replacing Teoscar Hernandez, and hey, no offense to Teo or anything like that, but he wasn't our best defensive outfielder. So you know what? If we're replacing him with Gallo, a left-handed bat, who his upside next year with the shift band is he could go out and put up really gross numbers. I, I don't even have a project. I can guess. Kiermaier's going to have about 10 home runs and hit about 240. <laughs> and that might be on a good year. Let's just say that. Gallo's numbers, I honestly have no idea what he could put up in, in this. Like, he could be a 320, 46 home run guy. Like, Joey Gallo is, it, it has elite power. I mean, a lot of strikeouts, though, right? That's, but that's kind of three true outcomes for him. Yeah. I mean, that's the way that they're playing, though, right? That's the way the MLB is going now. You swing the bat hard if you strike it, whatever. And if you hit the ball out of the park, just take your trot around the sacks and go sit down. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think I, I feel like I'd kind of be a hypocrite if I said I really like Cody Bellinger and I don't like Joey Gallo because their tool sets, at least lately, have been kind of similar. But I'm out on Joey Gallo, too. Just too much swing and a miss. And yeah, when he connects... The ball goes. Steamer hasn't projected for about 20 home runs, but he also hasn't projected to hit 188. So I think I'm out on Joey Gallo there. Um, and Kevin Kiermeyer, man, he's the enemy. We've played against the Tampa Bay Rays way too much. We've seen him all the time. He was stealing gold gloves from Kevin Pilar in the mid-2010s there. And I just remember him stealing Alejandro's uh, scouting card or player's card and taking it back to the Rays bench. And I kind of have... he's. I don't have a hatred. It's the wrong word, but he's the enemy. I don't want Kevin Kiermaier anywhere near this team. Get him out of here. It's yeah, I'm out on both these guys. So, yeah, I like that you say that about Kiermaier. I try not to get too political, but uh, I mean, he might be in my top five for non like can't come to the Jays and Mm -hmm. I uh, totally irrelevant. I'm just going to draw someone in just like not fighting words. We're too small of a channel to get called out, but Manny, (laughs) I never want to see Manny Machado in a blue Jays uniform. I absolutely despise him. I he's a great ball ball player, but a great ball player. I'm glad that he plays for the Padres. He's doing well, but I absolutely despise the guy since he arrived in Baltimore. I'm sure I've got a few names too, but we won't get to that here. We got more Blue Jay stuff to get to, Riley. And my next two rumors now are very, very, very unreliable. They mean very little. I don't even know if they're true, Riley, but I'm just going to go out and say I'm here anyway. And I want to get your thoughts. Two of them. One, Aaron Judge was spotted at the Toronto Zoo a few weeks ago. Do I know if that's true? No idea, but hey, it could be. And another one, Kate Upton, the wife of Justin Verlander, was spotted in Toronto a few days ago. Now, she's her own celebrity too. She does her modeling thing. She does really well, but 
could this mean anything with Judge being spotted at the Toronto Zoo and Kate Upton being found in Toronto? I mean, are we sure that it wasn't just a giraffe at the zoo? <laughs> like, I mean, like pretty similar height numbers for Judge. And yeah, Kate Upton, I'm sure that um, like whatever she does, I mean, I think she posed for a calendar once and was famous. Not going to get into that. It would be really cool. Justin Verlander, that's a spicy one. And I could totally get behind that. You want to talk about a guy that's our enemy. That's Justin Verlander. Mm. But hey, you know what? Pitchers, Jesse, we were never really pitchers. Pitchers just do their own thing anyways. So it's not like there would be any animosity. Like, let's let Verlander, if Verlander came to Toronto and he put up, you know, a, a five, six war season and won 15 games, I would be super happy. Look, the guy just won a Cy Young. Yeah. Like, don't poo-poo that. I mean, he is an incredible pitcher. The guy, the guy's going to the Hall of Fame. I don't care what anybody says. No, he's one of he's a generational talent. And if he wore a Blue Jays uniform, we should all feel honored. He is an awesome pitcher. And no one's Nolan Ryan, but he is the 2000s version of Nolan Ryan because Jamie Moyer wasn't putting up those good in numbers. I mean, he pitched till he was 47. Mm -hmm. Verlander's not quite that age, obviously, but I could see Verlander being an Iron Man, as you want to call it, in the Cal Ripken sense. I don't want to spoil it too much because I do want to talk about Justin Verlander a little bit later on, but he might be one of the names in this free agency list that we're going to talk about that I think we want the Blue Jays to sign. But before we get into the rest of the free agents, Riley, we got to have a little deeper discussion here on the Blue Jays catchers. And I remember two episodes ago on episode 68, you, me, and our guest Kyle Gould had a nice talk about the three catchers, who we would want to trade, who do you think we should keep? And I thought we really should dive a little deeper on these three guys, kind of go through what their pros and cons are and see if that's really what we want the Blue Jays to do here. Because I think not only trading Teoscar was a big decision, I think what catcher you decide to move um, at this offseason really will help define this Blue Jays winter, whether it was success or not. So are you with me here? Do you want to go in pros and cons? We'll start with Danny Jansen, Riley, like pros, yeah. obviously, right? He's a great hitter. 141 WRC plus last year. I think people forget he was the best hitter on the team. Now, obviously fewer at bats and we think Vladdy's going to be a better hitter. Boba going to be a better hitter going forward. But Danny Jansen was really, really good. And he helped the Blue Jays have one of the best offenses in the American league. Let's not forget that here. And also two more, two more pros. You know, he's a really good blocker. He knows the pitching staff really well. He has lots of experience. Um, any other pro you want to give to Danny Jansen here? Yeah, absolutely. Let's not forget, too, that this guy has never pull, pulled off a full MLB season in, in his career. Like, uh, the, maybe the COVID-shortened season would have been his first, but it was the COVID-shortened season. Right. Um, but this guy's had injury trouble. And, like, he played, he he's playing in catcher tandem. He played that with Reese. He's playing mm -hmm. with, with Kirk. I mean, there's certainly a place for him. But it's kind of like what I'm saying, what I said about Nemo. If he goes to a bad club, he's going to put up just gross numbers out of the three or four hole. Um, Danny Jansen is a great defensive catcher. He obviously doesn't have the best of contact numbers, but he has, I mean, surpassed his power potential numbers, I think. I, we knew that he could be a really good hitter. And also, is I think that he's well past what we thought he could be. The problem is with going off his numbers, Jesse, 
is you really got to remember that he hasn't played full years. He's only getting, he's getting shared workload numbers. I mean, maybe that's saving him a little bit, but at sure. the same time too, like in a world where Kirk doesn't exist and I love having Alejandro Kirk. I mean, he was an all-star for a season, amazing catcher, and he's going to be a superstar for a long time in this league, but we're playing with, too many good things, which is kind of it's kind of crappy in a way, man. I would love to have two catchers behind the plate. You could just interchange through innings and just bat them both like whatever it takes, man. Um, Danny Jansen is, you know, he's he's doesn't really have the age factor. He's at the 30 year old mark. And you know what? He just put up a year where he was hurt, but he also put up a year where he had tremendous powered numbers. And I think there's a lot to work with with Danny Jansen. Yeah, he's going to be a good get for whoever we get. And that's why I hope the Blue Jays don't sell low if they are going to trade Danny Jansen. Now, I do want to mention there are some rumors again going around that if the Blue Jays do move one, it seems like Danny Jansen is the contender, leading contender for the catcher that the Blue Jays are going to trade. Some cons, and you can probably see why the Blue Jays want to do that. One, you talked, he was very injury prone. He hasn't played a full year in quite a while. Um, he's two years away from free agency, so he has the fewest amount of team control. And there is a lot of swing and miss in that bat for how much power we give him. Right. He just seems to be pulling the ball a lot and hitting him in the air. But pop ups are a problem. Still a lot of strikeouts. So maybe Danny Jansen does get exposed a little with extended playing time. So maybe that's why the Blue Jays might want to move on from Danny Jansen. And honestly, I think it's even without performance based things, it just seems to line up with Gabriel Moreno being MLB ready and mm -hmm. Kirk being as young as he is, the team control that he has and the level of which he plays. I just feel like Jansen is sadly the odd man out. A power bat's great, but Jesse, we have power almost everywhere else in the lineup, man. I mean, we have a lot of a good thing. Yep. And I, I I love Danny Jansen. He has been with this team his whole career, minor leagues and all. And it's just like a Teo thing. I mean, we're also looking to, you know, if we can get a good return for it, it's going to bite. I really hope Swanson's good for us because, of course, Teo's a big one to lose. Yeah. So when it goes down, I'm, Jesse, I'm sure that's the move the Jays are going to make. So when it, when it goes down, it's going to suck. I really want to hear a Big name return, man. I mean, I know who Swanson is. He's not the biggest of names. We have a prospect as well out of that. But hey, like, I want to get something for Danny Jansen. He's been in our system for a long time. I'm sure a lot of teams look at him as a really, really good prize behind the plate, man. Yeah, and let's pay attention, too, to see where Wilson Contreras goes in free agency. Um, I think the Danny Jansen trade won't happen until after he signs somewhere because the teams that miss out on Wilson Contreras are probably going to come knocking on the Blue Jays' door. And I hope that the Blue Jays wait till Contreras signs somewhere before moving one of these three catchers, if they can help it. But let's quickly kind of run through the other two here. Alejandro Kirk, pros, what do we got to say? He was one of the best hitting catchers in the game last year. His bat-to-ball skills are still elite. Now, I do want to say... I think second half Alejandro Kirk is closer to the real Alejandro Kirk than the guy we got the first half. So I want to put that caveat in mind, but still incredibly young. As you mentioned earlier, six plus more years of team control. He's still pre-arbitration, so he's dirt cheap. And he was Alec Manoa's guy. He became a great framer. He helped Alec Manoa get to his elite season there. And his cons though, Riley, he probably can't play behind the plate every day. He might have to DH. In fact, he DH, I think, 40 or so games this past regular season, and he's probably going to have to do more of that going forward. So with George Springer probably needing DH days and Vlad, he's going to need some DH days. That could be a detriment to the team. And he's been dealing with a hip issue the last two years, but that's just a catcher thing. Catchers are going to deal with injuries. So Alejandro Kirk, pro and cons, rather. 
I mean, you nailed it with the pro, man. You want to talk about elite bat-to-ball skills. Kirk's your guy. That's out of a catcher. I mean, not too many times you're going to get a bat-savvy catcher who doesn't hit for power, but who hits for for contact and just gets bat on ball and has some pesky plate appearances because he's, you know, rattling off three foul balls. Um, defense is, is much better than what I thought it would be. Obviously, you look at the guy and it's it's not even an issue of, of athleticism. He was really good at framing. His pop-up time and throw down to second were, were quite good. Um, and obviously, I mean, the power numbers aren't going to be electric for uh, his downside. I mean, he's a catcher. He's not going to run really well. But uh, if we get 15 home runs out of him, that's great. I don't know if we will. But anywhere, if he hits around 275 as a catcher, I'll be super happy with that. And he definitely has the potential to do that um, because of his bat-to-ball skills. I don't know. With this with this non-shifted infield, I feel like Kirk, Kirk can spray the ball anywhere anyways. It's yep. not going to matter. Yep. Just hit it where the ain't, as Yogi would say. Um, <laughs> like, But Kirk's the guy you got to keep in all this. I mean, yeah. there's no debate about that. The It's got to be uh, Jansen or Moreno that goes. But like 100%, Kirk's, there's no way Kirk is leaving this team. Now, let's move on to Gabby Moreno here because this is the very interesting one. If the Blue Jays do decide to move Danny Jansen, you are giving Gabriel Moreno what, 40% of the starts behind the plate? Like, he's going to have a run, and he kind of needs to be good if the Blue Jays are going to get this World Series aspirations that they're going for here. And, Riley, there are a lot of pros and cons. Gabriel Moreno is interesting because he's the mystery box. We don't know what we're going to get out of him. So, first question, Riley, number one catching prospect in all of baseball, how high is Gabriel Moreno's upside? Like, is he Joe Maurer upside? Could he be better? Or is he, you know, is that too much of a reach for Gabby Moreno? So when Joe Maurer came into the league, um, I think that there was a possibility for him to hit 25 home runs. Uh, Joe Maurer um, really didn't hit home runs. And in fact, he he hit well. For, I think that he was one of the last hitters to hit in the, the 360, 370 range. I obviously don't have his numbers. I know Joe Maurer had immaculate years. Um, I think that was the big side for him. You want to talk about Gabriel Moreno's upside? I would. I don't think I would have any problem with him taking forty uh, percent of the games behind the plate. His right. athleticism is so good. We saw what he what he did on the field in a Blue Jays uniform. Man, that wasn't minor league. That was playing with a big club in Toronto, and mm-hmm. he made his presence known. Man, throwing out base runners in his the first series. I think the first game he played with us. Man, he was tested early and he contributed, and he had one home run. I'm not. I'm old school, man. If my catcher just has good defensive numbers, I'm totally okay with that. Um, If he's not a hitter, that's one thing. I just don't, you know, don't sink below a negative. If your hitting numbers are bad, and that would be have to be really bad for Gabby Moreno because I think his defense is going to be excellent. I think that's what what's going to give Kirk those days at DH mm-hmm. is Gabriel Moreno. You're going to feel comfortable with him behind the plate. And he's got, I mean, he might be the fat, one of the fastest, if not the fastest catcher in the league. I don't even know why he's, he must be just built for a catcher. That guy's an athlete. <laughs> I mean, the only question, the, the, the question really is Jesse. I think that you take away any thought in your mind about his defense is going to be there. His athleticism is already there. He's a young guy. You see so often with guys, Bellinger, for instance, I was looking at his stats today. A lot of guys have the most steals 
early in their career. Correct. They're yes. fast. They're they're fast early on, and they kind of decline with age and at whatever pace. So Gabriel Moreno, being as young as he is, give him those games behind the plate. Throw the kid right in the fire. I think he's going to perform wonders defensively, and then let the bat figure it out from there. He's got nothing else to prove in the minor leagues either. His time in Buffalo's done. Like it's he's got to be on a big league roster whether it's in Toronto or whether it's somewhere else. Riley, you mentioned a lot of the pros. Um speed, arm, athleticism off the charts. He's even can sprinkle in at other defensive positions which could come in, ba- in value. And the terms of control, Riley, won't be a free agent for like 7 more years. If Gabriel Moreno reaches his upside, that is absolutely something you have. But I want to talk about his brief stint last season. Now, only 69 at bats, so you can only take this so far, but a 3.3% barrel rate, Riley, a 57.4% ground ball rate. That was like, that was terrible. Um, in fact, minimum 60 at bats. He was the 17th worst in baseball. Some notable guys that were ahead of him, which I thought was interesting. Christian Yelich hit the ball on the ground more. Jonathan VR and Gunnar Henderson, who's the Orioles top prospect who we saw last year. And the power, Riley. We talked about it a bit during the regular season last year, but it just seemed to disappear. Only hit one home run with the big league club and only hit three while he was in Buffalo. It, you know, Catchers don't need to have power. We talked about this. And for what it's worth, he did hit a ball through the wall at Salem Field in Buffalo, like hit the wall and went through it. So there's something there. And catchers do take a little longer to develop than other players. But yeah, there's it's a lot of what ifs with Gabriel Moreno. Yeah, there certainly is a lot of what ifs. But if we're talking about developing at the big league level, um, if the last thing to develop is his power as a catcher, Jesse, I'm so cool with that, man. If his speed remains, his athleticism remains, his arm accuracy is still there because he's got a powerful arm for a guy his size. He's not an overly big guy. Um, again, we I don't really know how big – I mean, he's a 300-plus hitter for for a minor league team. How yep. he's going to do on a full, a full season, Jesse, is yet to be determined. I'll make those comparisons next offseason. But, I mean – for right now, like defense is if, if we're going to go the route of Kirk's going to be our guy and we need someone to back him up behind the plate every so often. I mean, Moreno is our guy. He is our true in blue. He is our was our top prospect. We need to bring him up and he's got to play. That's just as simple as that, man. I think I'm with you. I think it's going to be an interesting guy to watch on spring training, assuming he is still in the Blue Jays roster. But I'm kind of opening myself up now to Gabriel Moreno and what he could bring for this team. But Riley, moving on now, we've got some money to spend in the Blue Jays. So let's spend other people's money. (laughs) It's a hell of a lot being easier said to do than done. But we're going to take a look at the top 15 free agents here. And we don't want to spend too much time on any of them because some of them are pretty simple yeses or noes that we should be interested in. Um, But let's go through the list here and see if you can see them being Toronto Blue Jays and if there'd be good fits. You ready to go? Let's do this. I love the hypotheticals, baby. All right. Riley, are the Blue Jays going to sign Aaron Judge? Absolutely not. I don't see it happening. (laughs) I don't either. He's projected to make eight years, $300 million. He's coming off one of the best Major League Baseball seasons ever. Projected for 6.7 war. Now, don't get me wrong. He would absolutely make the Blue Jays better next year. But that's way too much money. And if you do it, you're not extending Vlad. You're not extending Manoa. You're not extending Kirk. You know, none of them. And big-bodied power hitters don't tend to age that well. So buyer beware for whoever does sign Aaron Judge. Especially basketball players and things like that. Height can be an issue. It's a real thing, man. The legs don't... I mean, you're six foot seven. He's got to take good care of his body. But hey, an impressive power totals. And honestly, hope he goes to the National League West and we don't have to see him. Get him out of the division. Go sign with the Giants. 
Like, yeah, exactly. But I thought it, San Francisco, go, go to San Fran. Yeah, hit some balls over that fence, hit him into the lake, McCovey Cove, and just be gone with it here. Um, number two on the list is shortstop Trey Turner. He's projected to make seven years, 210 million, 4.7 war. If you've watched baseball, you know who Trey Turner is. The rare combination of elite speed, defense, and bat. He is a complete player. And the thing I want to make, make note of, because there are a lot of uh, shortstops available on this list, is that after this year's free agent class, there really isn't a good free agent until like Bo Bichette's class becomes free agents, unless you believe in Tim Anderson or something like that is going to be a superstar. So keep that in mind. If you don't get a shortstop in this uh, in this free agent class, you might be without a good one for a while. But note on Trey Turner, you know, these speed first guys, the speed starts to decline early, as you kind of mentioned earlier, how the speed is always picked up early in the career and kind of does dip. But Trey Turner is going to be fine. I just you and I both don't think he's going to be Blue Jays, correct? I, I, I'm not thinking if he was, that would be really cool. He is a, he is a throwback to a lot of players. This if, is someone that if he played in the 1970s, he would have 90 steals. He would be a 340 hitter. Mm. Like the guy is a whole pack. The guy's the whole pack. It's one of the smoothest slides in all of baseball. You've seen the, the, oh, hi- love the it. highlights love it. of, Oh, just, just honestly, man, I, I, I love to like, I, I love this term with him. He's just, he's a sexy ball player to watch, man. His moves out there. He's a flawless and flashy player, man. Any, whoever lands him is going to be one lucky team. Absolutely. Now we're moving on to number three on our list. Carlos Correa Riley. And I know this guy has piqued your interest. Now he's going to be expensive. He's projected during eight years, 256 million, about a five war season. Now, there is some smoke here because the Jays were interested when he was a free agent last offseason. And you've kind of seen that Carlos Correa will sign with unintentional teams after he signed that little bridge deal with Minnesota last year. But I still think it's too much money. And there are some things to like here, though. Like, he doesn't strike out much. He walks a lot. And the Jays really like that. But I still don't think he's going to join this team. But, Riley, tell me what you think about Carlos I I mean, look, the chances are really low, but this opens up a number of possibilities, Jesse. I mean, you didn't say this term. You talked about five tools with Trey Turner. You could also say that Carlos Correa is a five-tool player as well. Obviously, foot speed declined a little bit. Hey, that's okay, but great power numbers. But the defense, man, wow. I mean, we sat here a little bit and kind of, you know, gave Bo some crap for botching some plays and debated the second base thing. I mean, the problem would would be solved you know, if we brought Correa in to play shortstop, because he is a shortstop. Um, the problem with this, yes, you talked about the term, you talked about the dollar attached to it. I think what we would be giving up in term would be one of our bows and Vlads. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a risky, it's a risky thing in a way, and I think it would have to be bow. And that one would would bite to another system brought up guy, but this isn't. I've I've made I made this this kind of thought without any feeling. This is this is Riley the manager, not Riley the fan. <laughs> I, I would say, uh, sorry, general manager Riley the manager would actually actually hate this. But the GM part of me thinks that if Carlos Correa would be here in Toronto. And with the six, seven, how many years attached to that deal, that Bo Bichette's time in a Blue Jays uniform would be numbered. And then we'd find a second baseman later on mm-hmm. out of, I, I, I don't know, second basemen are are easier to find than a good shortstop. Let's just put it that way. And like you said, Jesse, if Bo Bichette, I mean, he's the guy who led the American League in hits, but if something were to happen, Carlos Correa is a very reliable guy. I mean, he's been one of the best shortstops since he's came into the league. Plus, he'd be playing with George Springer again. Two guys who won the World Series together. Um, 
But yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's an interesting thought experiment there. Riley, what does Riley, the GM, think about these two players? We kind of already touched on one earlier with one being Justin Verlander. But I also want to include like Jacob deGrom in here because they are both amazing elite pitchers who are much older in their career and on a per inning basis are some of the best in the game. I don't need to tell you how good Jacob deGrom is. I don't need to tell you how good Justin Verlander is, but their contracts are probably going to look like either two or three years, depending on the guy, with a high AAV, probably 40, 40 plus million a game. If Jacob deGrom is healthy, he is absolutely worth that. And same with Justin Verlander. Like they're coming off Cy Young awards, but hey, Verlander's 40. He'll fall off a cliff eventually. I know he doesn't look at it, but you know, I don't know. I think the Blue Jays should be in on these guys short term. The lineup with the core gives the Blue Jays the best chance to win a World Series. What are your thoughts, Riley, on these two high impact pitchers? So, yeah, you want to talk about two of the best pitchers that have dominated their leagues, uh, prospectively, one to Grom in the National League. Um, I mean, New York Mets pitchers, I mean, Tom Seaver might be the best match pitcher of all time and then follow that up with uh, DeGrom because this guy is an absolute stud, has been for a long time. Um, obviously Father Time's going to catch up with him eventually. The same thing with Verlander. Yeah. I mean, I, I would be ha- I would be happy with either or. You are, landi- you are landing a for sure ace pitcher. I mean, there's there was a question mark when Gosman came to Toronto mm-hmm. what we were going to get. We had just saw the Robbie Ray Cy Young Award winner. We just saw Alec Manoa pitch part of a season. But with a guy like Verlater, with a guy like DeGrom, you can pretty much bank on a stellar year. Even their down years are good years. And that's why I think the Blue Jays should interest this guys. Even if they're not at their best, they're still going to be really good. They're going to help this team win a World Series. We'll see. We'll see how things go on the offseason, but I would love it if one of these guys get on a Blue Jays roster. Let's move through these next guys with Pace Riley. The next one is Xander Bogarts. I think I did mention a few episodes ago that I thought, hey, if he does hit free agency, that the Blue Jays should be interested in him. Um, Bat-to-ball skills have always been there. The Blue Jays have liked it. We've seen a lot of Xander Bogarts throughout the years. Um, He might not project the best at shortstop, but Matt Chapman is a free agent at the end of the year. He could always move to third base. I just, I don't think he's going to leave Boston, man. I think Boston would be dumb if they let this guy go. Yeah, I feel I feel like he is a good hitting shortstop. Not a ton to present defensively, but a guy that doesn't have a lot of downside. He's just going to do steady things, maybe be an all-star and, and like at best finish eighth or ninth in MVP voting mm-hmm. on a really good year. Um, yeah, I don't see him in a Blue Jays uniform. You can talk about the same thing with Kiermaier. Just a, a division rival guy has been has been been around too long. You just can't see him in a Blue Jays uniform. I, I don't I don't see it happen. And maybe Correa, not Bogard. So yeah, Dansby Swanson is next on this list, and he's very similar too. He just he's been just kind of meh, especially for being a first overall pick. But he did choose a good time for his career best year. I think he might have years like this along the way, but I also think he's going to have years where he's one and a half, two more seasons and just not worth the 141 million he might be looking for. Yeah, I think, I think he, you know, I don't like, he did just have the best year, but I feel like for a long time, Dansby Swanson was one of the more overrated infielders in the game of baseball. He does put up good numbers defensively. He's got good athleticism. I mean, he's not the young player he once was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's hard to believe that he was a first overall pick, I believe to the Padres actually. And uh, then went obviously baseball players don't land around. Yeah. You're entice you there with that one but uh yeah i mean that's a guy you don't want to overpay uh jesse i can't see him come it would be cool swanson's cool 
Arizona, yes, Riley. Jesse. Dampier Swanson was drafted by Arizona, and he was in the uh, Shelby Miller trade, which uh, took a lot of grape at the time, but story for another day. Uh, Carlos Renan's another name. Best left-handed pitcher on the market. The Jays did just have success taking a starting pitcher from San Francisco. It could be a thing. It's just, again, a lot of money. He would help this team. Absolutely. I just don't know what the Blue Jays are going to do it. I think they already are stable at the top of the rotation with Kevin Gosman and Alec Manoa, and I don't think they're going to be... I think they're going to be more at the bottom tier starting pitcher level than this tier of starting pitcher. Yeah, I think uh, I think next week for sure we'll actually, if some moves, moves are made, we'll talk about where guys might slot in. Uh, I think one thing we're looking at would be a 3-4 type pitcher. Rodon is, again, I think going to go to a, you know, a team that's suffering a little bit that's going to not only get Rodon, but another helpful player, and he's going to go on and be the ace. Will he have the year that he did in San Francisco? I doubt it, but uh, still gonna be I good, feel though. like that I feel like I, I like Carlos Rodon. I liked him when he played for the White Sox. And I think that that's his best year by far, but he's still going to have a good career ahead of him. These next three guys, we don't spend really any time on. Brandon Nimmo, we talked about him earlier. We know what the deal was here. William, Wilson Contreras is next. I already said my point on Wilson Contreras. No way the Blue Jays are signing no. a catcher at this level. They might sign like a Caleb Joseph type, even though he's not in the league anymore, like a Luke Maley. <laughs> Luke Maley, yeah. yeah. It will be that type of catcher the Blue Jays sign, but it won't be this level. And Jose Abreu, the Jays have Vladdy at first base. Jose Abreu is not signing here. Um, the next guy I like, and you can kind of lump these two together. I like Chris Bassett a lot more than I like Nathan Eovaldi, but this is the kind of the type of range. A steady guy. You've got your Oakland A's hat, Riley, so I know you like Chris Bassett. I know you've watched the pitch for a long time. The only problem mm-hmm. is he's 34. He relies more on soft contact than he relies more on strikeouts to get outs, but a six-pitch mix, which is really good. He was really good for the Mets last year. This might be a guy I think I want the Blue Jays to go get. He was really good for the Mets, and yeah, his velocity came down, but this is a guy who has... You talk about six pitches. He uses three of them really well. Fastball, off-speed, and his breaking stuff. Um, and I, and, a, and a, sorry, and a sinker, a really heavy sinker to go with that uh, that he developed later on in his career, as a good pitcher should when their velocity does start to de- decline. Um, yeah, he had a great year for New York, and Chris Bassett, as I just said, you want to talk about a three, four guy. He had a great year and I feel like he would slot in. Well, he's going to, he's going to fall off a cliff sooner rather than later. And if it's for a one, if, if we can't go wrong for a one year deal, I feel like Chris Bass would be a great one. Yeah. Jesse absolutely loved him in, in Oakland. He did. I thought he did fantastic there when he kind of came up. This is a guy who started his MLB career late as a lot of Oakland starting pitchers do start to career late for some reason. But he did a great job with the Mets this year. And I think I, I, I I'm not gonna say he's gonna be an all-star or anything this year, but if we're looking for a, a three four pitcher, I feel like an he can be pretty reliable. A yeah, oh, reliable absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The next guy is Nathan Ivaldi. I'm out on him, dude. I the Jays crushed him last year and his fastball throws hard. Yes, his command is all right, but like his fastball's flat. He gets crushed. I think his uh twenty twenty one season where he had a five war year was great. I don't think that's in him anymore. I think uh, even though he has been dealing with injuries and maybe that could explain it, I'm kind of out on Nathan Eovaldi. I'd, I'd have to agree with you. Um, the he, His fastball is, you know, I think 99 to could touch triple digits, but uh, it's just not, it's just not a good fastball in location. It gets hit hard. 
And I feel like this is the kind of guy that if he gets hit hard, he's the kind of guy that's going to have a, a really inflated earn run average. And we saw what that did for us last year. I want to stay away from that where the downside is going to be huge. Yeah. Two more guys I want to touch on here. One, Kode Senga. Uh, two episodes ago, episode 68, we talked a lot about Kode Senga, this guy from Japan. I think we came out of that conversation think we like him going to depend on the money that he comes with here uh, and we'll see how these guys transition to the North American game Riley I think as you mentioned that episode it's sometimes tough but if you want to hear our takes on that go back and listen to that episode it'll be on your YouTube feeds and your podcast feeds and the other guy I want to end on here is Andrew Benintendi now he's 28 still pretty young on base machine and Riley I loved Andrew Benintendi as a prospect I thought he was great but he hasn't really become the superstar we thought he could be when he joined the Boston Red Sox there was interest here. The Blue Jays like the OBP skills, but I'd say the floor with Benintendi is terrible because if those OBP skills go away, there's no power to fall back on. His defense and base running is just meh. I, I don't know. Personally, I'm out. I think the Jays had a chance to acquire Andrew Benintendi at the trade deadline and chose not to. They went Whit Merrifield instead, and I think that was a good call. I think I'd rather have Whit Merrifield than Andrew Benintendi. I I would <clears throat> I would be close to agree with you on that. This is a guy who never has really touched the sky and he had a real good chance. I remember when he, I don't know if it was his debut in Boston or a few days later, I knew this guy, I knew he was coming up from Pawtucket um, because he was a real looked at prospect, a real, mm. almost a sure thing back then. And it really seems as though that uh, for a guy who's, you know, Oh, he's a 30 steals guy or a guy that's going to hit 300 every year. Like, yeah, on base machines are great. But if, like you said, Jesse, I mean, if that's the only thing and then it's not there, then you're in big trouble and you're probably going to have to eat the dollar because, I mean, Benintendi's probably going to take some cash from us if that's the case. Some other names, just keep an eye on. We don't have to dive deep on them. One, Ross Stripling. What the hell? Why is this guy still a free agent? Get him back here. We need Ross Stripling. Um, Taiwan Walker, Michael Conforto, Mitch Haniger, who I think has could be in a sneaky good Teoscar replacement, and uh, Mike Clevenger, a guy who has been just kind of man, has been dealt with a lot of injuries, but before his injuries, the upside, Riley, was big. You know I love the upside. So quick thought on any of those five guys. Yeah, Clevenger's a cool one. So I think what the Padres did last year was put together a team that just pitched really well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it didn't it didn't work out for them. On paper, that team I thought was one of the best teams in baseball with Darvish, my guy Sean Manaya coming from Oakland. Joe I Musgrove mean, was awesome for them too. Holy cow, man. I'm uh, yeah, Musgrove. I mean, not this year, but the year prior through a perfect game. A San Diego kid throwing a perfect game in his first year. I mean, a team that was unbelievable and you, too late for them now. They got to split that group of pitchers up. Um, I like Clevenger. I think he's good. I honestly don't want to bet on him, though. I think the better years in his of his career was the last time he put on uh, a Guardians jersey. And, I mean, he did all right with the Padres, but um, I don't think he's even at an all-star level right now. Now, no, I could be very wrong, but I'm not going to – I'm just not going to put that. You want to talk about a guy I put money back on the table for is Ross Stripling for sure, Jesse. 100% yeah. agree with you. Absolutely, and let's hope the Blue Jays do that going forward. Uh, we got some news and notes before we get to the end of the episode here. The Blue Jays have announced that renovations are well underway, and they've removed all the seats from the 500 level. Things are on track to be completed before the home opener on April 11th. Riley, have you seen any? Of the uh, updates that the Blue Jays have gone out so far about the uh, about the renovations and stuff so far. 
I've I've seen what they're doing. I've seen one picture of the of the ball diamond. It looks like there's a tarp and a crane and one mm-hmm. giant mess. Hopefully they got a good construction crew on duty, man, because that is one big operation. I hope everything goes well. All the workers up in Rogers Center work safely and it gets done uh, well before opening day and we can enjoy baseball. I'm really excited to get there. I can't wait to be at Rogers Center opening day. I'm sure we'll uh, touch on the renovations and stuff more throughout the offseason. Uh, more news. The Blue Jays, as mentioned earlier, we re-signed outfielder Vinny Capra to a minor league deal. And Alec Manoa, Riley, was just on the Serge Ibaka cooking show. And Serge Ibaka asked him, what is the, or who, sorry, was the biggest cheater in Major League Baseball? And he mentioned Garrett Cole. We know the Garrett Cole story about how he was um, using spider attack this whole time. It's been well documented. I remember the days when... Um, they instituted the sticky stuff ban, and Garrett Cole actually got significantly worse. His spin rates dropped dramatically. And remember in New York when the Jays were playing there earlier this year, and I think Alec Manoa hit a batter, which he does quite frequently. And Garrett Cole was chirping at him from the dugout. And then um, Alec Manoa said, yeah, if the guy wants to fight me, he can come out past the Audi sign. Until then, I'm not going to listen to the guy. There is like a rivalry brewing here with Alec Manoa and Garrett Cole and the Yankees fans. And I think it's just great for the Blue Jays and for the game of baseball. Honestly, we need more rivalries. And just, hey, another reason to hate the Yankees, I guess. Eh? I love to dislike the New York Yankees. <laughs> yeah. I I truly do. Garrett Cole's uh, whined about a game being delayed and something else this year. I don't know what it is, but this is a guy who seems to be always in the limelight. And there we go with the, um, I'll bring it up. You said that he was, they were bad. The Yankees fans were bashing Manoa for it. And just some of the most awful people in the world, New York Yankees fans, uh, Garrett Cole fits in, in their, um, their, you know, team makeup we'll call it fairly well but yeah hey Garrett Cole's a good pitcher but um at this point in time Alec Manoa is much better than Garrett Cole I agree and we have our history at Buds and Blue Jays beefing with Yankees fans remember during the season we went on and we talked about their joke of a stadium and stuff and the Yankees fans found us and they came at us we're not ending this duel baby we're coming back screw the Yankees screw the Yankees fans Blue Jays over the Yankees and hey this is a lot of smack for a team that's probably going to finish behind the Baltimore Orioles next year in the division. So just throwing that Ooh. out there if you, any of you Yankees fans are listening. That's a spicy take. I mean, let us hear it if, if you guys think. I mean, we'll make it a real rivalry. We love we love being Canadian and cheering for the Toronto Blue Jays. And um, so nothing personal. We're not picking on, it's a on little you personal. Yankees fans. <laughs> it's a little – hey. You got to be careful with what you say, though. But um, don't go and take a shot at Manoa and, you know, body shaming him. We're not. That's so public school. I think Mm -hmm. that's absolutely ridiculous. And then, like, get calling Kirk fat and then calling Manoa. That's just that's that's ridiculous, man. It's so it's so elementary. It's so immature. Like, come up with better stuff, man. It's just it's it's embarrassing, honestly. Like, think before you post. That's just as we're as we're shooting our mouth off on as Yankees fan. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we can hide behind our screens here, but whatever, man. I think it's it's to body shame someone. I think is just I think it's gross. Hey, coming from a team that employed CC Sabathia for a long time, and he was best hitter of all time. Babe Ruth like lived off beer and hot dogs. So hey, got to be more creative than that, Yankees fans. If you're going to come after Alec Manoa. Yeah, and yeah, Babe Ruth might that might be something that the Yankees got right was feeding him hot dogs and beer. Seven hundred fourteen home runs, at least give you that credit. Yes. He did spend he did spend some time with the Red Sox and then moved to the Boston Braves, I believe, for a little bit in, on his final year. But yes, the Bambino was a big guy. More all this story, kids. Don't body shame people. 
people. It's immature. We get it, though. You're Yankees fans. It's just what you do. Amen, Riley. Well, guys, that'll do it for episode here today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We are hoping for some big Blue Jays news, Riley. And I'm sure we're going to record one of these episodes, and it's going to be announced that Cody Bellinger signs tomorrow. And then all this will look outdated. Or we'll sign some free agent that we're not even thinking about. But... It's American Thanksgiving today, so happy Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners, and that's what makes me think it was a safe day to do this, because there aren't going to be any big Major League Baseball transactions today. So, Riley, anything else to add before we get out of here today? Yes, happy Thanksgiving to our neighbors in the South. I hope you guys are having a good day. It's currently Thursday night here, and um, yeah, we're almost in December. I think that the 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 rumor mill has got to be a little bit right. I think that we're going to wait on something for Bellinger. I would really it's, Ross Stripling still being a free agent, though. It's kind of sad. We'll mm-hmm. see what happens. I would love to see him back in a Jays uniform. I think that would be would be perfect. But yeah, Jesse, we don't control the cards here, man. We just report on what happens. Yep. But I'm kind of excited. I really hope we make the right moves. Too bad it's not a video game. We can't make three different save files. We're in one. We sign these guys in another. We do this in another we do this what we get jesse there's some big names here what we get is what we get man so we hope we hope that our front office makes the moves that can put together a pennant winning team and go on and compete for a championship man that is the goal anything short of that at this point jesse i feel like is a failure because we have the core guys jesse i don't want to you know lag on to it too much though but this is a really Really important signing, man, and I feel like it's got to be a good one. I said it at the start of the offseason, and I'll say it again here now. I think the moves the Blue Jays make this offseason is going to be the difference on whether or not we win a World Series with our core of current Blue Jays, whether it's Bo, Bichette, Manoa, and all them, and Vladdy. Like, the moves that are made now are going to be the ones that put us over the top. If we don't do enough, I don't think we're winning a World Series with this team. Now, that might be a little dramatic to say, especially because we can't predict the future. We have no idea what happens, but it's kind of my feeling going into this offseason. Just did it. Did some Nostradamus stuff. That can be ours right there. That's and good. hey, it'll be, it'll be how many years, man? 30, 30 years this year since our, our time where we won against the uh, Philadelphia Phillies in 1993. So we're about due, man. Let's bring a ship back to the city of Toronto and for this amazing group of Jays players that I mean, it's a, it's early to say they to say they deserve it. They got to really show us that they they want it bad and that they deserve it. I mean, Springer's got his championship. Hey, would love to see my guy Matt Chapman win one. But they got to go out hungry next year, man. Let's have a good off season, and um, we'll see you guys next week, episode seventy. Thanks, guys. Another classic, in my opinion. <laughs> AJ Puck. <laughs> there you go. All right, everyone, please make sure to like and subscribe to the video one more time. Subscribe to our channels. Be one of our first 100. And yeah, thank you again. Thanks, guys.